Welcome into the Faithful Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Madden, and with me today is Casanova Green. Hello. Revision House in Lancaster, Ohio. Are we, are we, are we? We're, we're in the middle. We're, it's it's like the lull phase. So it's like True Vision, but Revision House at the same time. I got file paperwork, all that stuff. <laughs> but as always at Faithful Pursuit, we are relentlessly pursuing a life of faith that transforms outside of the walls of the church. Today's topic is going to be very fun and very interesting. We're going to be talking about the life of a pastor from two pastors. So Cass, if you want to uh, introduce yourself, uh, let them know who you are, where they can find you, all that fun stuff. We'll get into the conversation. All right. Hello, online friends, online family, listening friends, listening family on, on all podcast channels. Uh, I'm Cass Noble Green. I am the lead pastor of True Vision Christian Community, soon to become Revision House um, in Lancaster, Ohio. Um, I am also the vice presiding bishop of the Catholicismos Collective. I'm housed in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I've been working for Jesus a long time. I've been <laughs> in active ministry since I was nine years old. Um, I'm, I'm I'm 36, by the way. So yeah, I'm not I'm not like I might look like I'm 40 because I'm tired, but you know. It's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> um, outside of ministry work, I'm I also um, I'm also administrator at a local college nearby me. Um, I'm also a um, worship leader. Actually, this is how I kind of got my start in ministry. So, worship leading, recording artist, poet. I, ADHD has me doing the complete most. So I do a lot of things. Uh, so, you can find me on Facebook. Um, CG Create LLC. Um, that is the professional page. The personal page is getting kind of full, but so go to CG Create LLC. Don't worry, I'm be change, I'm changing up a lot of stuff this year. So as of now, CG Create LLC on Facebook, um, Instagram, Casanova TL Green, Casanova TL Green, one S, one S, not two, Casanova TL Green, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. I will make sure to put all those links and all that stuff in the show notes because you got a bunch. I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm an overachiever. <laughs> For those who don't know me and Cass, we go way back, and we are brothers from another mother. Uh, we're we're best friends, even though we're 12 hours away from each other. Yeah. Although at one time, we were. Down the street, very, around the corner. Yep. I did move up there for a short time. <laughs> but let's get into this conversation. Um, I know typically we, the typical congregant, thinks that the pastor, the only thing they do is preach on Sundays or, or lead a Bible study. And they're, they're always expecting them to constantly be in prayer over everything and everybody. They are always um, supposed to be there to, to encourage and to build up and always there to kind of lend a helping hand. But what are the realities as, as being a pastor coming from flesh and bone, real people, just like those in the congregation. All right. So before we get into this, I got to do the disclaimer. The views and opinions that will be expressed in this podcast are, are not necessarily views and opinions of our churches or organizations that we are affiliated of. We are speaking from real experience. Please do not email our overseers. So the thing is, I'm Eric's overseer, so please do not email me um, regarding your, your thoughts over, or negative thoughts or opinions of the fact that we're having a real conversation. <laughs> Now that we got that out the way. <laughs> first disclaimer on Faithful Pursuit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because this is about to get real, raw, and maybe emotional. Listen, all, all I know is this. that I know some people are not ready to have this conversation within the church because um, the, people have that, that, you know, I'm perfect. The love, oh hell, the pastor. Like I, I talked about this when I preached on Sunday about how people, how pastors have co- have created it to where people feel like they have to worship the man or the woman of God. Like they're giving kiss my converse energy, and that's how not that's not how it's really supposed to be. Yeah. For me, as a bivocational pastor, that's a pretty much um, um, fancy speak for I work a job. <laughs> I have a nine to. Well, eight to whenever I'm done. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Like, I've called him at 2 o'clock in the morning. He's like, what are you doing on the way home from work? Why? Long story. Um, 
But what you see on Sundays is literally like 10% of what, of what a pastor actually does. Because you mm-hmm. have like reading the word, studying, the pastoral side of, you know, you know, somebody gets sick, you got to go see them, um, you know, you got to eulogize them, you know, whatever, things like that. But the book of it is really focusing in on our walk with God and our own soul salvation. Because at the end of all this, we're human. Yep. Um, and I think p- people miss that because we're giving all this word and everything, but we are human. So the same struggles, the same battles that you're dealing with, we're dealing with. The same whole, the same like the way you're trying to keep yourself from sinning, we really trying to keep ourselves from sinning because yeah. the stakes are bigger on us than on y'all. And then on top of that, you have to take into consideration that we have to be emotionally there for the congregation. Um, even if we're going through stuff, our going through goes out the window when you call us. So a lot of it is maintaining what we have, maintaining the core of our relationship with God, making sure that in the that we still have our family and our family intact and everybody is together. Um, but people really people don't really discuss what the pastor needs because they feel like that they are Superman or Superwoman. Yeah. And that is not the case. No, I know I'm not. Um, I still have my struggles. I still have uh, my mental health issues. I still have. Um, sometimes I have to tell my face to shut up when I, when I'm talking to people or looking at people. Um, I still have questions. I still have some some doubts here and there. Like I am a, I'm a human being. I struggle like you struggle. I fight off sin like you fight off sin. We have to stop treating and looking at the pastor like he is this model of Christianity. That this, which really he's become an idol, mm-hmm. um, like you said. Um, we have to stop treating pastors so up here. Now I know, you know scripturally, pastors are above reproach. You know, there's qualifications of, of a pastor in First Timothy three. We know that. We see that. But we also have to take in consideration that the pastor is not 100% spirit. We ain't Jesus. We're not walking a sinless, perfect life. Like we, we're walking through the wilderness, and sometimes we're failing that test in the wilderness. Um, like you said, we got to deal with the emotional things. We got to deal with the mental health issues. We got to deal with, with culture. We got to deal with society. We got to deal with, with politics. We got to deal with all of this stuff, and make, while making sure we're taking care of ourselves, our family, as well as everyone in the church, and. We have all of that on us. We have our baggage. We have our family's baggage. But then we have everybody else's. And sometimes my shoulders aren't that strong. And that's where like, that's where you come in. Mm-hmm. That's where other uh, friends and, and other pastoral uh, friends come in. Uh, friends in ministry, which are hard to find, by the way. Oh, yeah. It is hard for a pastor to find a friend in church because we don't know what your agenda is. Right. It- and you know, pastoring, pastoring in terms of um, relate being relational. This this relationship you see right here is very hard to find. And I did not expect when we had our initial conversation to meet like the person who is literally legitimately my best friend. We were just fussing about how people are dumb about fog machines in church. <laughs> it's supposed to emulate the Shekinah glory. Well, well, catch the Holy Ghost and it'll happen. <laughs> but uh, we've have we've really built trust to have the and we're able to have those deeper conversations. We've seen each other at our best, and we've seen each other at our worst. And the thing is, we've never weaponized it. Yeah, it's always been what do you need? Is keep it tight. When I was going through my stuff, uh, he was like, "Why did you tell me?" I was like, I thought you was going to judge me. He's like, really, Cass? Really? <laughs> Out of all the people. Like, I know, but still. <laughs> but in terms of the everyday life of the church, there's always that thing in the back of your mind that you eventually, this relationship is going to be leveraged for something, or I'm going to have to put on pastor hat, and you're not going to like it based on a true story. Many, many true stories. Yes, yes, yes. 
Like you're gonna have to put on the pastor hat and be like, "Hey, chill out," and then they have a whole moment based on a what? True, true story. Mm-hmm. And then um, you're kind of laid bare. I keep saying based on a true story because it happened to me. It's happened to me. I know. Right. It's, it, it happened to me, but I I kind of thank God it happened because it forced some healing that needed to happen to happen. But, you know, but yet and still, like, you know, because of the situation, there's people who still don't talk to me. It's 2024. Yep. This happened three and a half years ago. Let let it go. <laughs> let it go, Elsa. Like, loose that thing. Loose it, Elsa. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very hard, especially for for pastors' families, because when we start begins when we begin to create a, relationships and attachments, people leave, mm-hmm. and then you're sitting there going, "You've maintained this relationship." They all of a sudden they leave, and how people leave churches, they leave the church and the people. Yep. And depending on what denomination you are, depending on how many relationships you have or how vulnerable you've been, you get voted out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Some some of my favorite videos are Baptist churches voting people out mm-hmm. because, like, when Blackfoot do it, it's always like a whole ordeal. I'm like, why can't y'all just one turn turn the camera off? You know, this is must see TV. Jer- Jerry done gone gone with the Lord and Maury done retired. This is a must see TV. But <laughs> but at the <laughs> but at the but at the same time though, people are so quick to leverage your sin. And use it uh-huh. against you rather than be restorative. And the same grace you want us to show you as the pastor, you got to be ready to reciprocate t- towards the congregation. Yeah. So pretty much, let me say that again. I'm off today. So <laughs> yeah, today is literally my day off. I literally took a day off today. Um, that the same grace that the congregation wants to show the pastor, they have to be willing to reciprocate. Um, why am I messing this up? Y'all know what I said. Pastor right. The, the same grace that the church expects the pastor to show to them, you better show it to the pastor too. Thank you. See, okay. see this is why we friends, because I was like, I don't know where I went. My brain went. Probably because he took all this blood out of me anyway. <laughs> so it's hard for us as pastors, and I'm gonna talk about it from the male experience as men in ministry, because societally and even in the church see this is why people don't let me speak at men's conferences we are taught such a toxic definition of what masculinity and what manhood is that when we need help since we've only been programmed to to have the emotions of spicy and horny yeah maybe angry maybe angry is angry is like angry spicy horny that's all you're supposed to be yep that we are uncomfortable and unable to convey what we're truly feeling and feel safe enough to be around other men and share these things and without getting the cookie cutter answer. And what's that? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Oh, what you struggle? Let's pray about it. Yeah. I ain't never struggled with it. Lies in deceit. You did. Like we see over the past couple of years, like we've seen the, the pastors, you know, struggling with mental health. We've seen the pastors, you know, kind of, well, not kind of like they're committing suicide. And you got the congregation out here saying, well, I wonder why my pastor committed suicide. You. You are why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not you individually, but the congregation. It is a lot of pressure to sit in this seat. And I'm a bishop now, so it's a whole lot more pressure. But you're only allowed to be pressure if you if if you choose to take mm-hmm. on that pressure. I'm gonna be me. Yeah, that's me. I am me. Uh, and a lot of people don't like that. Like I, I'm I'm open, I, I'm honest, I don't hide anything, I, I don't hide my past. Mm-hmm. And God forbid a pastor actually have a past. Like they want this squeak. I, I can't lead you out of somewhere I've never been. Right. I can't preach you out of the hell if I don't know what the hell looked like. Yep. And you know, people make this squeaky clean image. That's when when they fall, it's harder because it goes back to that idolization of of the person. Like you know, oh my pastor, he he he. Listen, we were formed in sin and shaped in iniquity. Yep. But we praise and thank God for the for the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Because it washes everybody's sins. 
And people have to get the understanding that your pastor is not perfect. Mm-hmm. And also your pastor is a human and needs to feel safe and safe enough in the house of God. Even though they are pastoring the house of God, they are a part of that community that the community is able to and willing to step in and with understanding and, and hold up that pastor's arms like he has held you up all these years or she's held you up all these years. Empathy, compassion, humility. That's not just great attributes for the pastor. That's great attributes for the Christian in general. That's what a that's what a Christian is supposed to be. Yeah, and that that's the whole thing. We have lost the definition of being a Christian, mm-hmm. or dare I say, we know what it is, but we have either forgotten about it or we have completely ignored it because it does not give us an advantage. I can tell you right now, like I've pastored churches where the one who is there every Sunday every Wednesday, every Bible study, every event, everything like that. They hoop, they holler, they claim Christianity to be Christianity, but they're the biggest hypocrite you will ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. Church attendance does not dictate your salvation. Well, your fruit dictates your salvation. Right. You shall know them by what? Their, Their fruit. fruit. An apple, listen, I tell people this, an apple tree produces apples, an orange tree produces orange. If an orange tree is producing apples, something wrong. Yep. You know, like, you know them by their fruit. You know them by what you see. And the Sunday morning experience doesn't matter. Even, especially with pastors. You can hoop and holler, froth at the mouth, go, as much as you want. Again. Sounding like you having a whole asthma attack or heart attack at the same time. Do better. Anyway, um, like you can sound, you can sound, have all that stuff, but then you, then when you go out into the parking lot, you just mess it. Yeah. You cuss somebody out before you even leave the parking lot. Right. Yes, I know we're human, and sometimes people need to get cussed out. Amen. Hallelujah. But you know, but you know, if you just doing it just to do it, that's a problem. Yeah. And you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. You know, sometimes I like the good cuss. I have a background in English. I know how to use language really well. I also know that that it's a social construct, amen. And also how you've interpreted in, in scriptures kind of way off, but it's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that's spoiled uh, or Paul cussed in the back. He 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 said, but we would we societally would be, would call the cuss word. We're gonna leave that alone for today. Um, yep. People, I can't believe he's saying people cuss. Y'all cuss. Mm-hmm. Y'all cut, do a whole lot of other stuff. We will leave that alone. Well, you got people who will stand up there, but I didn't like to pass this message today while he's going home and he's going to go beat his wife. Because probably the pastor told you don't beat your wife. <laughs> You've been talking to him. Like, no. No, the Holy Ghost been talking. I just said what the Lord, I, I said what the Lord told me to say, but God, I'm sorry that he done got up all, in, all up in your Kool-Aid because he's omnipotent and omnipresent. Yeah. I can't be like, how dare you? said something you? long ago like about, about pastors falling. You know, pastors falling because of that pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't put the pressure on ourselves. Right. Well, let's just be real and let's be honest. Being a pastor could be and should be the easiest job there is. But in the current framework of the church, that's never going to be the case unless there are significant changes. Right. And... All this pressure keeps getting out. Of, like we 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 got to dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. God forbid you wear blue jeans and a t-shirt to preach in. Mm-hmm. Your message better have three to four points, and it better you better be done by twelve o'clock so I can go hit the buffet line. Mm-hmm. Your family better be there, suited and booted and smiling. Mm-hmm. Your family better be involved in every ministry that there is in the church. Mm-hmm. You better be there at two o'clock in the morning when I could have called you at eight o'clock because I got a tummy ache. Um, my phone is on do not disturb between 10 and 4 a.m. And only certain people can break through. So if you, you call me, if, 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 so if you're calling me and you're not on the breakthrough list, your soul better be calling me from the gates of heaven. Right. It better be that emergent that I need to jump up, throw on some presentable clothes and go out. We're expected to lead every ministry 
Every Bible study, like, no. No. I need y'all to go read Ephesians chapter 4. Right. I have no idea where that came from. I love it. Um, Because it is our job to teach you how to build the kingdom. I'm going to say this. This is going to be a hot take for about five people who probably probably, I can't believe he said this. It is not the pastor's job to grow the church. Or disciple your kids. Well, anyway, (laughs) um, it is the pastor's job to equip you and teach you how to then turn around and do the kingdom work. Yes, we're doing the kingdom work and being a pastor is not something that happens overnight. The pastors were the ones who were willing to turn around and do the kingdom work and God began to honor that. Mm-hmm. And God began to show us our spiritual gifts and show us where we fit in that fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. You want to know how you have a really healthy church and a really healthy pastor is when your pastor is willing to let go and let other people lead mm-hmm. and walk in their giftings, walk in their callings, lead these ministries, lead these Bible studies. We don't have to have our hands on the reins of everything. Look, I'm not having a heart attack over, over the kingdom. I'm not. I, I want to meet Jesus, but not today. Listen, I want to meet Jesus. I want all, all, every single piece in 120 years, all of them, mm-hmm. all. A-L-L, all of them. So I have to be willing. And the thing is, initially, when I when we first one of the biggest mistakes I made in um in the time of pastoring is feeling like everything fell on me. Yeah. And also, I did that. Right. And also the whole, okay, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. And then people do what they do and don't take the opportunity or what I've noticed is that people have are not used to pastors saying yes. Yeah. And provide and be willing to provide that guidance and that support to help them walk in the fullness of what they need to be walking in. Yeah. So it ends up falling back on the pastor. And I said this last year. I said, listen, I will only do what my bandwidth allows. If, if my bandwidth does not allow for it, I need one of y'all as the congregation to be willing to pick it up. Mm-hmm. If no one picks it up, it will not get done. And I have kept to my word. No, I can't tell y'all how many times me and Kat, I have called Cass and I'll be like, what is up with the thumbs up? I don't know. Look, look, <laughs> uh, look stream y'all's like, hey man! <laughs> <laughs> If y'all are just listening to this, there's like a little thumbs up that keeps popping up on Cass's face, and I don't know. I don't get. It's like, hey, you saying? better say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what were you saying? What was I saying? There have been times where you've called me, and oh, I couldn't tell you how many times I have called Cass, and, and I've been like, I'm done. I've been screwed over. I've been used. I've been abused. Like, you know, we, we hear about church hurt and we hear about abuse with, within the church of, of leadership abusing the congregation. What? Can we flip the script and talk about the congregation abusing the pastor or abusing leadership? Well. Because that well, happens way more than people talk about. Because there's a balance. You're not supposed to idolize that person, but also they're not your slave. Yeah. We are and, servants. Right. We like we serve, we serve the Lord, and the Lord just so happened to put you in the area in which we serve. Mm-hmm. And in serving the Lord, part of our responsibility is to take care of you. And sometimes that's painful. Right. Sometimes you gotta get bonked on the head. Sometimes there gonna be some messages you just ain't gonna like. For 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 the African American slash charismatic contingent, we ain't shouting every Sunday. Mm-mm. And but your preference does not supersede what God is doing and the vision that God has given us as the lead. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people gotta understand. Even those who sit in the in the elder or deacon 
even though you have that spot of authority and we are accountable to you, you are you are accountable to us. And it is the job of the ministerial leadership, the deaconate, whatever you have set up, to support the pastor in the running of the church, not run the pastor and run the church. That's backwards. Yeah. That's backwards. But we have turned we, we have turned the church into so much of a business that we treat the um we treat pastors as CEOs or or um, chair chairman or chairwoman of the board, chair people, chairperson of the board that we can keep flipping out when stuff ain't right. Fell into realize yeah. if you keep if you keep um flipping pastors like like people flip hairstyles, the problem's not the pastor, is you. Mm-hmm. If you've been through five pastors in five years, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's you, but because you're sitting you sit in this seat of authority of authority according to the bylaws no bylaws until you change and you realize your role in the greater scheme of the church it's not going to change that's why one of the rules I have and this like you know even though we're renaming rebranding the church the heart the heart has matured it's the same but but it's grown up it's grown up we've been at this long enough to where but it's grown up but if you're going to sit in a seat of in a decision maker spot, I don't want yes men and yes women surrounding me. But yeah. I also tell me no. Right. I'm, if I'm coming to you with something, it's for a reason. If I'm going, mm-hmm. hey, there's this decision. I don't want to make this decision by myself. Let's come together. And how it's set up, if I bring it before the pastoral leadership team, I have no say. It's up to them. I can vouch for that because there's been a lot of things that he's brought to the pastoral leadership team, which I'm on. We'll bounce ideas off of each other. I'm saying sometimes I'm like, Cass, that is a bad idea. And then other times I'm like, Cass, that is a great idea. And what does Cass do? Whatever the idea is. Cass Good listens. or bad. Cass listens. Cass has to make five or six phone calls. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I learned that from the, from the wisdom of many, there's safety. So my expectation as not just a pastor, also the founder is that we are a council of wisdom and we come together in unity and make the decision. If I bring it to you. Yes. I know there's something I just decided it's done. If it's something big, everybody has to be on board because then the congregations have to buy in on what's happening. And if I make a decision, but they don't agree, I've just opened the door for division. Yep. But it's not the other way around where it's like, well, you need to do this. Why aren't you doing this? I'll be like, well, why aren't you doing it? Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Because yep. pastoral leadership team, you are the spokesperson for your section of the church. It is my job to oversee you. So if you are not doing, because if you look at how shepherds are set up in terms of a pasture, there's always an over shepherd. There's always one main shepherd. Mm-hmm. And then other shepherds oversee certain groups of the sheep to make sure they're doing what they need to do. If something happens to the sheep, I'm not to, I'm not asking the sheep unless the sheep did it. I'm coming to you. I tell you the the best biblical example I can give you of that is is when uh, Jesus fed the five thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus said to the twelve, "Get them off in groups." Let me do some math real quick. Hold on. I'm going to do some math. See the perks of doing stuff on the computer. I'm going to do some math. Exactly. While you're doing that, um, don't forget to like and share this podcast, The, the Faithful Pursuit. Um, I, I'm not really good at promotion. I need to work on that. All right. I'll, I'll do it for you while I'm doing this. If you're listening to this right now, you have not subscribed or, or you know, or follow this podcast. Listen, listen. If you want some real raw conversation, go ahead and hit that follow button, that like button, that subscribe button. If you're watching us on on the online, or I, are you using Anchor? Yes. So listen, if you're on Spotify, you can see my face right now. Hallelujah. Go ahead and, and follow. 
Go ahead and hit the follow. See, see, StreamYard felt me when I said that. Get get this man some get this man some followers. Follow follow him as he follows Christ on your on your um, podcast on your podcast app or YouTube. Cause if you don't, you'll just get swallowed up. Oh my god. I can't. All right, I did the math. Okay. Five thousand divided by twelve is four hundred and sixteen point six with a line over it. It's like six. <laughs> so let's look at this real quick. Jesus divided looked at the twelve and said, "Divide them up in groups." Mm-hmm. Knowing them, they probably did it equally. And also. I believe the county system was was um was factor twelve, not factor ten. So instead of counting like like okay, like one, two, three, four, five, did it one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Did you know about that? The factor twelve system? <laughs> so so they probably had everybody divided up evenly. And it was their job, each disciple's job, to make sure that that group of four hundred and sixteen had what they need, had what they needed, but they're still one body. When we realize that it is the job, I tell, and I even do this with, with the um, group I, over, I oversee at my job. I'm like, it is my job to deal with the president of the group and maybe exec if I have to. The only time I should interact with everybody in the group is if it's something important or I have to set order. Mm-hmm. If, if, if the congregation would actually read their Bible, which biblical literacy needs to change, that's a whole other podcast. But um, if they would actually read Matthew chapter 18, the steps are there. Mm-hmm. I, I know I was talking about church discipline and, and uh, dealing with a, a brother in sin or whatever, but you can take that blueprint and apply it to everything. One-on-one, like, like me and you, we meet one-on-one. And then whoever's under us, they meet with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, until it becomes a huge issue, we don't have to bring it before the church. Because odds are, in that one-on-one or one and, a, and another elder, the problem or, or the, the issue gets resolved right there. Right. Rarely is there ever going to be a time where we're going to have to stand somebody up in front of the whole church and be like, brother in sin. Let's kick him out. You know what's funny? I just opened up my Logos app. It was right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but you know, even like, but it also talks about the power of unity. Because mm-hmm. we always focus on 15 through 17, but we don't read 18 through 20 unless we want to fight some demons. But here's, so here's what it is. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bound on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Yeah. It's not that hard of a concept to get. Right. So it goes back to the human need for power. Pride will jack you up. And yep. that's one of the things that we have to deal with as pastors, if uh, past, pastors who have common sense, that we are so focused to make sure that we're in check. So that way, when we have those moments where we gotta we're able to do it and be above reproach. There's a reason a, a shepherd staff has a hook at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we got to push some sheep along. Sometimes we got to get them by the neck and jerk them back into the fold. Sometimes we just got to whack them in the head. Sometimes we got to whack the enemy in the head. Look, the rod and the staff. Yep. The staff pulls you in. The rod, bam, little wolf come up. Bam, leather coat. <laughs> How many pastors have have wolves and sheep's clothing in in their congregations right now? All of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, because here, here's the thing: like people say, "Oh, I love the church. I love Pastor So and So. I love them. I love them." But I'm not really down with the mission or the vision. 
So if you have, if you're not down with the mission of the vision, this is why I tell people you're not a, you're not that we stand divided. You leave. Mm-hmm. And people look at me like, oh, that seems so. But but it's a reality. Yep. If you stay and you're not jiving with what's going on, you are hindering what God is trying to do. Because you're going to fight against it every chance you get. Right. And God, and there might be something that God needs of you, but because you feel some type of way about where how things are going, you will not do it. I've seen it. Why, why are we going to go feed the poor? Because um, we're called to. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. <laughs> Why, why are we spending this money on, on youth and kids? Because we need to invest in the next generation because the world is slowly destroying them. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? I promise you, like if you come to the forge, if you come to my church, I promise you everything that we are doing or everything that we have planned to do is for the kingdom of God. It's not to boost anybody's ego. It's not to boost anybody's checking account. It's not for any of that. It's to boost numbers in the kingdom right and if you can't get behind building and growing the kingdom of god not necessarily your church but the kingdom of god you've missed out on the great commission number one you're blatantly and defiantly diso in disobedience against god because he's told us to do that and like cass said all you're doing is sowing discord you're, you're sowing d- disunity Mm-hmm. And you become a problem, right? Bible says that rebellion is as unto witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So people are like, "Is as unto." It is a simile. It is similar because here's how it works: one person doesn't agree. Eventually, they start seeking out who else doesn't agree. Then they get all grouped up, and then mm-hmm. other people start hearing their side of things, and they're all grouped up. And it just grows and it grows and it grows. Next thing you know, the church is now split and that group has become their own church. Right. And the thing is that people fail to realize is that God is a God of reconciliation. So I tell people this, if you don't agree with something, come talk to me. First of all, the church is too small for you to be, because I'm going to find out anyway, just come talk to me. Yeah, that's me. Now I'm lucky enough, like, like with this church, we're all on the same, we're on the same wavelength, same mission, same, like we're on. Now, have I been a part of pastor churches and been a part of other churches who weren't? Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. with me, I always tell people this, and Eric knows this, I'm a very strong leader. And there have been pastors who have approached me about, let's merge churches, let's come together and do the work of the kingdom, blah, 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 blah. And then the conversation of who's going to be the lead pastor comes up. Yep. And it always goes something like this. The other person, well, I feel like I should be the lead pastor. Okay. What is your church's vision in one, three, and five years? 90% of them can't pay. Not even 90. All of them. I love you. I love y'all. We all I'm still friends with them, but literally it's been uh I can tell you mine. I can tell you mine. Look, I, I wrote that. <laughs> StreamYard is filling me today. It's like you switch to Ev Mux, and now all of a sudden you want to come back here. Don't you want to stay here with us? <laughs> I forgot to shut down StreamYard, so I'm still here. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you it's always a conversation of, well, I need to be not me personally, but they feel like, oh, they I need to be the lead pastor. Blah 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 blah. But you have no vision. I go, you understand that every time this happens, the congregation ends up getting latched on to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not actively trying to do anything. I'm just being myself. Loving on people, doing what I do. The, the, the scriptural guidance for this, because they like vision. And where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. So when they see vision and they, they gravitate towards that, plus the passion on top of it, mm-hmm. It's like a moth to a flame, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're about to turn the kingdom of, of, of hell upside down, and we're about to rip some people out of it." And mm-hmm. this guy actually wants to do it. This guy don't even know what direction he's going. So, and then as that happens, the other pastor becomes je- becomes jealous and frustrated, and then 
Yep. So. He was trying to sell my sheep. I don't want your sheep. I want your stank sheep. I love them. I don't want them. Yeah. So I, I've always been like, that's why I was going like, you might want to have to be the lead pastor. You, I, it might just be me. And like, I'll, but then they're like, oh no, it's not going to be like that. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. See, this is these are the decisions that we have to make. I know the hour is drawing short, so we have to um, talk about other matters. Uh, <laughs> uh, but pretty much on the personal side of things, I know this is where Eric wanted to go. That's why he picked this topic. You got to have those people to where you're able to have those have those conversations that you need to have to keep yourself yep. straight. At, you know. And you know, there's sometimes you want to hit, talk about some things that, that you know the, the that's gonna be like, but it's the reality of your of your life and of your situation. Well, I can tell you right now, there's been I don't know how many conversations just me and you have had where I've had to like take a step back and be like, okay, okay, he said that, okay, but get right back into the conversation, but not in a judgmental way. Really, all of our conversations are like he said. At this point, I just expect it. Yeah, well, in the beginning, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, we're there now. <laughs> I remember one conversation in particular where I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're that kind of friend now. Okay. Or the one when you and me were arguing and I cussed you out. That one. That one. That, that was the one. <laughs> I was like, that, that, we are, we're not friends anymore. No, we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but that's you know, what I realized. That's when I realized I never had that in personal life or, or in ministry. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I needed this. I needed someone to keep me in check. I needed someone to spur me along to good works. I needed somebody to, to fan the flame that when mine starts to die, I, I needed it, and I never had it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've looked for it in other places. You know, People were actually closer to me and not a 12-hour drive. And I can't find it. And I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, look, I've tried too. And, you know, for me to be willing to fully, fully, fully open up to somebody, especially with how my life, like my life has been, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot. And I think if I remember that conversation correctly, it wasn't me intentionally bringing it up. It just happened. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I telling this man all my business? <laughs> but I knew that you, I knew, I didn't think, I knew that you wouldn't use it against me. Mm-hmm. It just flowed, it came naturally and it flowed. And when you try to force it, that's when it gets weaponized against you. Mm-hmm. When you try to force that friendship or you try to force that bond and that brotherhood, that's when it becomes weaponized. This is something that is going to have to actually take vulnerability on, on both parties' parts, uh, humility, honesty, respect, and confidentiality. Because what you tell me, it don't leave. It don't leave. It, it goes in here and stays in here. Right, because the biggest thing is if I, if I need you to be a safe place, you need me to be a safe place. Mm-hmm. And especially as things grow and develop in like our collective well, all arenas that we work in, you need someone you can be like, okay, I need to speak my whole mind for a second. I need to take my filter off. I need to take my pastor hat off. And I just need to be the real Eric for like 10 seconds and right. just let it all out. Right. And then, I'm, then <laughs> and then we just kind of like, like you know, I I can't I can't be bishop right now. I just need to be be cast and but be cast in the fullness of who I am because everything I do is people facing. Mm-hmm. So I have to be all. Uh, but like even with those people, I'm able to let my hair down with. I can only like go so far yeah. because of the because of the relationships and everything. But I have you to where. Like, you know, I got my wife. Wives are wonderful. Shout out to wives. They're great. Mm-hmm. But I need a guy that I can literally just say whatever to. And yep. he'd be like, yeah, well, this is this is what happens. 
<laughs> yeah. That's Man. a lot of conversations. Yeah. Now we've talked from everything from A to Z. All the taboo Christian topics, we've hit them. We know way too much about each other. Yeah. Way too much. That's okay. But that's needed. <laughs> it's needed. It's and needed. I wish other, not, not just pastors, I wish men in the church in general understood and grasped that. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to have a men's ministry, have a real authentic men's ministry and not something where you just go and eat for 20 minutes and just talk for five minutes and have a little short devotional and a prayer and you go home. That's not building relationships. Right. I mean, like, don't just be sitting there having a, having a backpacking session like, good for, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Okay. Uh, then you got that one dude that's like, man, I want to kill myself. Man, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Well, we'll pray for you, brother. You good, know, job, good luck. Good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> You're a great man. You're a great man. You're a great man. Let, let, yeah. let us grunt and ride track, ride, ride tanks onto the, to the um, stage to prove our manliness. Yeah. Yes, that was that was all the shade. That was that wasn't subtle. That was um just said. <laughs> but um but you know, there needs to be a space to where if someone's struggling with something, they should be able to come to you and you be able to be like, hey, you know what? I I, I get it. Actually that happened to me earlier last in the last week. Um, I was talking with um one of my students, and he brought up um something that he an issue that he was dealing with, and I it wasn't that whole good job, good job, or you're gonna burn there wide open. It was let's get to the root, let's talk this through. Mm-hmm. If you want to try to block yourself from this, you cannot do it by yourself, because if you try to do it by yourself. It is not going to work out. And yep. I was like, wow, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, until the root is actually taken care of, it, you're just going to continually give off poisonous fruit. Right. Right. We, we can we can cut the branches off as much as we want, but you have to kill that thing for the root. Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to have those conversations. But also as a church, you have to be willing to as the church, you have to be will be willing to have those conversations. Yeah, the church has to be willing to open up that space and be like, you know what, guys? pastors men men in general we're going to be this we're going to be what we claim to be and we're going to be this judgment freeze up Mm -hmm. and men if you want to cry cry if you want to hug somebody hug somebody if you need to sit there and weep weep we have to open up these spaces where we can't be like well if you're a man you just need to swallow your pride and swallow your emotions and pull your up pull yourself up by your bootstraps which is impossible by yeah. the way, like, you cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It, it, well, shut up telling people, oh, just man up. It'll be all right. No, it won't. And you wonder why the men, not not just pastors, but men, the men's suicide and men mental health rate is so astronomically high. Right. And also take into consideration that women have the most attempts, but men have the most completions. Mm-hmm. If they gonna go, if 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 they feel, if a man feels like he wants, he's gonna leave up out this plan of existence. Guess what? He gonna do it. He's gonna do it. And I can speak from experience. I've had three failed attempts, but mm-hmm. the three failures wasn't on my because wasn't on me. But I've been there, right? Like I've, I've been in that headspace where you're like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. And that is a dark dark place to be and I needed more than good job, good job, good job. I mean, I've been there too. And you know, even even still, I'm still I still deal with mental health stuff. Listen, listen, medication's wonderful, praise God, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I'm on several, amen. Um but I've had those moments too and it makes no sense that I found more peace and more comfort from outside the body of Christ. Yeah. And didn't want to say anything inside the church, inside the body of Christ, because I knew that the response was not going to be gracious or merciful. It's going to be a whole lot of the, you. it's just the spirit. The brain is an organ. Yeah. If you break your leg, you're going to put it in the cast. If, look, if you can see, if you poke my arm, you're going to put a bandage on it. Yeah. 
the brain needs to be, be needs to be treated in the same way. And a lot of the things that we see people do are an offshoot of something related to mental health. Prime example. Let, I'm I'm just, I'm going to say the p word. Ready? Porn. Let's talk about let's talk about that. Yeah. Por- pornography is a symptom of something deeper. Yep. It is not the cause, it is the effect. Because somebody is trying to find something that they can't that they feel like they can't have or they don't have. Well, and then from that, they try to get that in their personal relationships. But what makes personal romantic relationships what they are is that you are friends first. Yep. I mean, if you just in here screwing everything in the tri-state area and you're like, I still feel empty. There are other ways. Love yourself. But until you're able to understand that your need is not so much physical attraction, it's the need of intimacy and safety. And I'm going to say this to women right now. Porn, when, if a, when a man goes to porn, it has really has nothing to do with you. Yeah, it's not because he's not satisfied or he doesn't like the way you look. Right, he loves the way you look. He's real satisfied with you. It's because there is a void that needs to be filled, especially within a church. There is a void that needs to be filled, but they have not that, been given the space to base, the space the space to, to um, voice it. And that void could have happened when he was five years old. Mm-hmm. Before there was ever a you and him. Mm-hmm. Something along the way happened, and that, that's a coping mechanism. Right. I mean, I know for me, like, you know, for me, a lot of the stuff that I did involving sex wasn't out of pleasure or gratification. Mm-hmm. It was to numb the pain. And also to get that dopamine fix. I'm so glad I got this ADHD diagnosis. We give glory to God for it. Because my brain wanted a win. Yep. My brain wanted peace. And I, in today's world, like right. we're, we're wired that way because we post something on Facebook. Within five seconds, we're going back and, and we're checking how many likes do I have? How many comments do I have? How many of this do I have? We want that win. We want that dopamine hit. And I was the same way like you were. I was numb in pain. I felt so alone that even 30 minutes to an hour of any physical contact whatsoever from anything that was breathing and warm was was enough. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the dopamine hit. And in some cases, they supplied the drugs that I had an addiction to. Mm -hmm. So I was getting everything all at once. And that's something this and like this, especially as with past, with being pastored, you have to realize why you need it, not what you need, but why you need it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get into ministry into the pastorate for the attention of the dopamine hit. Yep. I've seen pastors like literally get so pissed off because they're not hooping, hollering, screaming, fainting. Like I've seen it because they're not getting the emotional reaction that they think that they should have gotten. Mm-hmm. But the message was solid. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get the reaction they wanted. Mm-hmm. Because they need that congregation to fill that void. Mm-hmm. And, and then like, I've seen, I've seen the most shallow message that I've ever heard preached get the biggest reaction. I'm like, well, yeah, you connected on an emotional level. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, because because with preaching, you have to be willing to engage with the mind as well as engage with the heart. Mm-hmm. But it's ultimately the intentions of the person giving giving the message. Yep. And people like a lot of people are like, I want the fame. I want. And it's not so much, it's not so much because they feel called to do it. They need that. Mm-hmm. That's the root. They need that. 
pastors having affairs, pastors doing, we, we've seen it all. It's because it's not so much, oh, I stepped out for marriage. and It's because they needed something. Mm-hmm. And the other party was willing to give them the root of what they needed. The fruit was the affair. The fruit was the addiction. The the fruit, like the the fruit was the anger. The fruit was the frustration. Mm-hmm. But someone was willing to give them the root of that. And once we begin to understand that as a church and become a safe place for pastors, this is going to be I can like the church will truly be what it's called to be. Yeah. I got a feeling this conversation is not over, and we're going to have a part two eventually. It never is. It's never over. <laughs> and I think this is a good one. But if you could give give a word to to the congregation, to to the regular person, how can they be there for for their leadership? All right, I'm going to put on the bishop hat. Praise the Lord. No, Hallelujah. Um, pray for your pastor instead of praying upon them. P R A Y versus P R E Y. Right. Pray for them. Pray for their health. Pray for their strength. Pray that God gives them wisdom. Don't be praying against your own pastor. That's called that, that's called a soul force prayer, and that's witchcraft. Pray that God gives them guidance and clarity. Also, show show them how much you love them, that you care for them. With smaller churches, a lot of pastors are not getting paid. But they're, in fact, they're the ones making sure the church stays afloat. So, you know, if they need, if, so a random, hey, here's a gift card. God bless you. Hey, you know what? Um, hey, you know what? We will be honored if to take you out to blah, 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 blah. We don't want anything. We just want to make sure that you, you are taken care of. Oh, pastor sick. Let's go ahead and do a, do a, a, a meal, a meal list. So that way, um, so that way the family doesn't have to cook. They don't have to do, they don't have to do anything. They can just focus on resting. Um, sewing it to the life of a ministry is huge. I mean, because that's finances are always an area of frustration for pastors. And a note, and I always tell people, give it, give as God directs and enables and give from your heart. If you're not doing it from your heart, don't do it. Yeah. But focus on taking care of that human that's up there in front of you, pouring into you every single week. Who's praying for you every single day. And as long as you're taking care of them, watch how God takes care of you. Yeah, because I know, like, speaking for me and you, because I've seen you do it, and I know you do it, and I know what I do, uh, except for right now, because I'm out, because I'm about to have shoulder surgery, but, you know, we work 50, 60, 70 hours a week on top of putting 30, 40 hours into one message on for a Sunday, mm-hmm. on top of praying for people, on top of calling and, and listening, and Essentially, like just help lighten the load, right? And first, maybe send the kids every now and then for us. Well, well, shout out to Candy and Jess because they do that. <laughs> um, but we also have to ultimately be functioning and present husbands and fathers. Yeah, because after all the congregate, all, all the congregants leave, they're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. If I ever get voted out of a church, I still got wife and kids. Right, they gonna be, they're they're your first ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're we're gonna finish this conversation. We kind of we kind of and we need to do the other one. I was ready. I was ready for the other one. Oh, we'll do that one. Don't worry. Oh. But right. this is Casanova Green from True Revision House. <laughs> <laughs> From Revision House. In... One of the names. One of them. <laughs> one of... He's in transition. Okay. Yes. Uh, 
check him out. Uh, I'll have all of his links in, in the show notes. Uh, I can't say any great man of God, great friend, great brother. Love, I love him to death. Love his family. Tell Rachel and the kids. I said, Hey, I will. Uh, Check out his stuff. If you are in the Gunnersville, Alabama area, come check out the Forge. You can go to the Forge Gunnersville.church, find all the information about us. The really cool thing about us is we're a house church, so it's really laid back and really, really comfortable. Um, yeah, that's it for this episode of Faithful Pursuit. I hope this has helped you. Maybe and if you have questions, email us. If you're gonna complain and grunt, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you're going to complain and gripe, email me and I'll filter it. <laughs> He's the nice one. I'm the blunt one. But for Cast, I'm Eric. Thank you for joining us in the Faithful Pursuit. Continue to relentlessly pursue a life of faith that transforms outside the walls of the church.